Now, in working towards making these aspirations a reality, we also see that people are of two types. We have those who, as I said, they talk, but they don't walk the talk. They say a lot of things, we need to start this and we need to do that. And we need to be concerned. And we need to, and we need to, and we need to, but they lack action. Their action is delayed from that which they say verbally. It's a type of irja. Right? It's a separation. And ta'khir. And then we have a second group of people who don't speak, but their actions speak for them. They prove that they high net worth individuals. Right? We always say we need to become high net worth. Who are the high net worth individuals? Let's get the Forbes magazine. And look at the high net worth individuals. No, with Islam, we have a different take on what on the definition of being a high net worth individual is. So we have those that are high net worth individuals. Their actions speak louder than words. And we see them making a difference. We see we feel their aspirations. They are people who see and they're not just around wasting time, utilizing the resources of this dunya for other people to see them. They are people who do the seeing. Their actions speak louder than words. And this was prevalent in the time of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These people existed. For take, for example, the Bedouin, who went to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, Give me from this wealth that Allah has given you. For this wealth is Allah's and not your father's. This is a level of aspiration. And in retrospect, we have Rabi'ah ibn Ka'b al-Aslami. Radiallahu anhu. Who went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells him, Ask. What do you need? Ask. And he says, I do have a request. And my request is that I seek your companionship in Jannah. La ilaha illallah. Look at this aspiration. I seek your companionship in Jannah. Ulu himma Allahu Akbar. And then consider Abu Hurairah radiallahu Abu Hurairah, who was from the people of Sufa, he was impoverished. Those people who didn't have shelter, they didn't have clothes, they didn't have food. This was, Abu Hurairah was from this group of people. They would stay in Masjid al-Nabawi and they would seek ilm and worship. Once the booty comes to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he's distributing this booty. And people are asking and asking and asking. And Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu is watching. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knows that this is a person in need. So he turns to Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu and says, Ask, what do you need and I will give it to you. Look at high aspirations. Look at aspirations that transcend the sphere of this dunya. La ilaha illallah. Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu says, O Prophet of Allah, I do have a request. And I will ask you for something. And I will only ask you for one thing. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, What is it that you, you need? What is it that you desire? Subhanallah. He says, I ask you to teach me that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught you. La ilaha illallah. Imagine this. He was indirectly asking for Jannah because he knew that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man salaka tariqan yaltamisu fihi ilman 
سهل الله له به طريقا إلى الجنة. He knew that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught that a person who treads the path of knowledge Allah will make his path to Jannah easier. So he's asking Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for Jannah, but via the means that will get him there. Teach me that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught you. And we know that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu was a pillar in terms of the sunnah during the era of the Sahaba. And he narrated over 6,000 ahadith, La ilaha illallah. 6,000 narrations. Never mind being a student, he became a teacher of the ummah. Allah chose him to be a protector of the sunnah. Radiallahu anhu, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with him in Jannah. Ameen. Once a group of boys came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and they were asking, somebody wanted intercession, somebody wanted some wealth, somebody wanted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to assist them in a difficulty that they were going through. And in this group there was one boy. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa after dealing with this group, turns to this boy and says, what do you need? He says, he didn't want to speak in front of the jama'ah, in front of the gathering. He says, I want a private sitting and discussion with you. There's something that I need, but it's private. So Rasulullah wasallam, after helping the group, goes on to him and say, what is it that you require? Is which, what is the amenity that you need? And this young boy tells Rasulullah wasallam. I want your companionship in Jannah. Subhanallah. This was amongst the youth. I'm sharing an example from a sahabi who was senior, and now here a young boy. They had high aspirations. This was what was inculcated within them when they said, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. So we need to ponder over these examples, my dear brothers and sisters. We need to ask ourselves, where are we from these examples? Let's benchmark ourselves. Where is our bar set at? How are we with regards to those who walked this earth and were praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Surely they have to be our benchmark. If we want to know whether we are upon goodness or not, we have to benchmark ourselves against them. We need to look at what their lives were about and ask ourselves, are we upon the same peril or not? And when we ponder over this, it makes us understand the reality of the person that we ask about sometimes. That subhanallah, that person in the middle of winter, he can get up and go to the masjid for salah. Even though he didn't hear the adhan. He goes to the masjid for salah. Now we understand why he does so. And based on what we've said, we understand the person who is quick to engage in haram. Who does not look after the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who does not even stay away from the shubuhat. He's, he doesn't mind engaging in the shubuhat, those gray areas. Yesterday in Bristol we discussed Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu once, or oh, he had a habit of always asking his slave. Whenever he prepared a meal, he asked him, Where did you pre- from which money did you prepare this meal? And one day he forgot. And he began eating. And the slave then said, but you didn't ask me the foundation of this meal that you have in front of you. The background behind it. So Abu Bakr said, where did you get this meal from? Where did you get the money to prepare this from? And he mentioned that he got it from a practice that he did during the days of ignorance when he practiced fortune telling. And this is haram. 
He practiced fortune telling, forecasting matters of the ghaib. What is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu do? Not only does he stop eating what's in front of him, he puts his finger in his mouth and vomits that which he consumed. Subhanallah. This is high aspirations. We understand why he did so. Even though, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah doesn't ask from us that which is beyond us. رفي القلم الثلاث. And from them is the ignorant person who didn't know. But here Abu Bakr removes that which he consumed. This is high aspirations of servants of Allah. And all children of Adam. We always have two types of people and no third. The first is a person who lives for the dunya. His aspirations are the dunya. His aspirations are the dunya, the lower, the closer. This is what dunya means, this world. And the second person is the one who aspires the akhirah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that these are the two types of people. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مِنْكُمْ مَيُّرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا وَمِنْكُمْ مَيُّرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ Subhanallah, two types of people. And when we think of this ayah, a story comes to mind. And that's the story of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Do we know who Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was? No? Some of us do. Inshallah, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, brothers and sisters, was from the men that walked this earth. He wasn't a man, he was from the men. We describe him as Rijal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with a short but effective khilafah. And he was so successful in this khilafah that the scholars said he was from, or he was the fifth rightly guided caliph. We know about the four, Abu Bakr, wa Umar, wa Uthman, wa Ali, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. They say Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was from them. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, in around two and a half years, this was the length of his khilafah. We can't even say he was just a successful leader. Because that would be taking away from that which he deserves. Today leaders lead one country. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz had 40 states under him. Rahmatullahi alayhi. 40 states under him. And he led it with justice and diligence and progress and security and safety. La ilaha illallah. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, it is said that... Before he took a position of authority, he used to tell his wife, Fatima. He used to tell her that I aspire to have a position of authority. And when he attained this position of authority, he said to her, I aspire to become the Amir of the Muslims, to become a Caliph. Look at the aspirations, constantly growing. And he achieved it. And when he became this successful leader, he turned to his wife and he tells her, I aspire for Jannah. La ilaha illallah. Look at high aspirations. High aspirations. And definitely he was from the caliber that could take leadership. We discussed this yesterday. Not everybody is cut out to be a leader. The Prophet ﷺ refused Abu Dhar to take a position of authority because he was a soft person. But Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was a different person. He was capable of doing it. An honorable man with honorable aspirations. An honorable man with honorable aspirations. And you know what, on a side note, we learn two things from this. Firstly, that Islam makes it possible for us 
to utilize matters of this dunya for the benefit of our hereafter. Many of us say, you know, high aspirations means I need to become a sheikh. Oh, I need to be, I need to work in the da'wah. I need to, I have to have a direct function in the da'wah. This is the only way I can have high aspirations. I can't become a doctor and a lawyer. I can't be a professional runner, for example. Absolutely not. This doesn't stop you from having high aspirations. For Islam gives you the opportunity to make all these acts an act of worship. Subhana Rabbi Allah. Going to school becomes an act of worship. Today, we say the worst day of the week. If you ask any young boy, he says Monday. And what's the best day of the week? Friday. Not any young boy, even the adults because of work. Right? We say, what's the best day of the week? Friday. Why? Because the next day there's no school. And what's the worst day? Sunday. Why? Because the next day is Monday. Tayyib. What if going to school was a means of building your Jannah? And going to work was a means of building your Jannah? And for our mothers at home, cooking for your families was a means of building your Jannah? And nurturing the home was a means of building your Jannah? What if it became that? Could you become depressed? No. The worst day of the week would be Friday because the next day there's no school. Obviously I'm talking in context of the country we live in. Otherwise the best day of the week is Friday. أَفْضَلُ يَوْمٍ طَلَعَتْ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ يَوْمُ الْجُمْعَةِ The best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah, as is in Sahih Muslim and the report by Abu Huraira radiallahu So what we're saying is, imagine if all these normalities of our daily life became an act of worship, became a means of building our Jannah, became a means of making our scales of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamah. This is the opportunity Islam gives us. If you make your work for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We learned this from Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was asked, how did you achieve all this in such a short amount of time? How? And he answered this question. He said, there was nothing that I did except that I did it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing. When he aspired to take a position of authority, it wasn't for his sake. It is for the sake of Allah. And then when he aspired to become the leader of the Muslims, it wasn't for himself. It was for Allah. And when he aspired to ascertain Jannah, it was for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He made his life a waqf, an endowment. He gave it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how you and I can also make our lives of higher aspirations. That you in your daily life, you can be a high aspirer. If you say, I'm going to work to earn financial standing, so that... I can pay zakah, and I can increase sadaqah, so that I can assist the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Isn't this a high aspiration? Whereas the non-Muslim is going to work for the sake of the weekend, and the practices that we see prevalent during the weekend. Low aspiration. A person who goes to study medicine, so I can represent this field in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aspire, achieve for the sake of Allah. And every day of your life becomes an ibadah. Us sitting here as well. If we came here for the sake of Allah, it's an ibadah. And I always try and remind the audience at the beginning of every speech, that make sure you're not here to learn. Now, somebody might say, but hold on a second. I came with my book and my pen to learn. MashaAllah, people are writing. How can it be that you're telling us, don't come to learn? Yes, don't come to learn. Come to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The how of that worship is through education. The learning will come. Be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will teach you. Fix that intention. 
Become a high aspirer in your intention. Make it solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Live la ilaha illallah. Live it. That there is no one worthy of worship besides Allah. Everything I do is for the sake of Allah. Before I do or say anything, I will ask myself, is it beloved to Allah? If so, I will do it. If not, I will stay away from it. This is what high aspiration refers to. And as we discuss the story of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, an ayah comes to mind, and that is the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تِلْكَ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ نَجْعَلُهَا لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُرِيدُونَ عُلُوًّا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فَسَادَةِ وَالْآقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, this dar of the akhirah is for those who did not live their life in this world to attain higher positions in this world for themselves and create fitna and fasad in the land. And the good ending is for those that are God conscious.